It's that time of the year again when your nice hosts take a few weeks out from new episodes. We'll be back at the beginning of March, but until then, we've picked a few of our favorite episodes from the past year to keep you entertained while we're on hiatus. While you wait, you can get these and all our episodes ad-free, plus exclusive bonus audio that's pretty nice too at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. This week's Nice Replay is episode 284, Shining Rocks Get Me Every Time, Branding and Iconography, The Ethics of Engagement, originally published October 28th, 2022. Take a ride in the Wayback Machine to Halloween a year ago and listen to us talk about candy corn mostly. Because that's all I care about Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Do we really talk a lot about candy corn in that? That's all I want. That's all you remember? That's all I remember. That's all I really want from Halloween is just candy corn. That's so surprising to me because that's the worst candy. It's the best candy. No, it's so good. Thank you, Steven. I don't understand. All right, everybody. I'm sure this is this content is in the episode. <laughs> I was not Probably. there. Let me tell you about all the candy things I know about. <laughs> and candy corn doesn't have much flavor whatsoever. Slowly turn the volume down on that channel. <laughs> <laughs> Listen in, y'all. Stop that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just ripping the bandit off. All right. Okay. Who turned the lights off in the clubhouse? Oh, it's so scary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So like Halloween <laughs> is <laughs> Halloween has passed, I think, by the time this episode's coming out. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I not. I don't know. Calendar Who's, math. Who could say? And also, who cares? That's what I want to say. <laughs> Taking a stand. Halloween sucks. Uh oh, no. it's basically got nothing for me. <laughs> no. I'm candy? I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. Okay. So I have a peanut allergy. Right. So I can't eat most of the candy. I hate being scared. I don't particularly care about wearing costumes. Um, the only thing I like about Halloween is something that everybody dislikes, which is candy corn. So <laughs> we talked about this. I also like candy. That's corn. true. And I appreciate that. So Anna, we, thank can, you. we can get some good candy corn. And we'll share. But it. every time I bring that up, people are like, what? You like candy corn? And it just makes me feel even worse about the holiday. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's where I'm at. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, you don't need to take all the heat yourself. I also hate Halloween. Yes. Uh, because okay. I, I also don't like dressing up. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a diabetic and have been since I was 11, mm-hmm. a candy does nothing for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can eat it, but I can't. Like going, I did go trick or treating as a kid, yeah. even after I was diagnosed, because it's what you did. And my parents didn't prevent me from doing it. Mm-hmm. But then I had all the, this huge bag full of a reminder of my disease. Oh, God. Uh, it, was, it was real rough. Yeah. And like, and as an adult, people associate halloween with drinking yeah oh, which yeah. i also don't do mm-hmm. so i don't know i just it's good but i also don't like scary movies and yeah. you know yeah so it's just it's a uh, the but you <sighs> know so many people like it and like right. it in like a wholesome way that it's hard for me to be the hum- bah humbug the way i am about many of the things well, i can then that's my job <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> but like if, the, if it's like your it. thing go for it yeah but not for me yeah i like the idea of halloween mm-hmm. i love thinking about costumes and then i never do them there you go <laughs> way too lazy to yeah. do anything mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. i think I, i'm thinking about maybe getting some of those inflatable dinosaur costumes so i could like surprise my nephews yeah oh, that's i could fun. be dinosaurs and like low like, effort high impact that one. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Like, you know i probably won't do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that would be really cool but i probably won't mm-hmm. dale has gotten pretty good at doing pretty effective costumes for like work parties and stuff mm-hmm. uh last year she made a um an n7 uh jacket mm-hmm. uh like uh, with like felt markers and and puffy paint and it looks great yeah, yeah. That's, I and remember. then and i'm like dale are you sure you can't just look and you could probably buy and buy one and she's like no i'm gonna make one and then she made one and it looks exactly like one you could buy that's mm-hmm. so cool and then this year she bought, bought a bunch of um 
a narrow pool noodle type material and she's gonna go as clippy gonna make oh. paper she got giant googly eyes and everything yeah pretty adorable that's brilliant oh, gosh mm-hmm. yeah when uh when i worked at um a different company than i work at now wow mm-hmm. and uh we did halloween stuff i wanted to do like a casual cosplay kind of thing mm-hmm. some people really got dressed up like yeah we had like darth vaders and all people kinds take of stuff. it very seriously it had a good time i think okay um but it's like we did some everyday cosplay stuff just like you you know like uh, i dressed up as may from night in the woods so mm. it was just like the t-shirt that she wore and like some boots and then i wore just like cat ears oh mm-hmm. that's fun you know yeah. but like nothing i didn't wear whiskers or anything like that yeah that's that's fun to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also, like, that's the amount of effort that I can put in. Like, order a t-shirt and draw a circle on it. Yeah. And get some cat ears. There you go. Yeah. I uh, don't. It's cool. <laughs> we'll do candy corn. Okay. Yeah, candy corn. <sighs> All right. Uh, we also played Star Trek Ascendancy. Heck yeah, we did. Um, you, you said it like it was a question. Well, no, it's it's been, it, it Steven, was long. it was yesterday. I know. It was long and I'm still recovering a little. Yeah. 24 hours ago, you guys were still playing. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but Star Trek Ascendancy is like a 4X game set in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, it's a board um, game. It's a board game, yes. Um, and it's been a while since we played it. We had played it, the last time we played it was like a couple year or two ago online. We played it on um, Tabletop Simulator because it was a mod for that. Um, but we played it in person. Um you know the actual board game and there's some new um i just want to call it dlc but that's not how it's called <laughs> they're not called that at board games expansions yeah um and uh yeah i don't know uh it, it went well i guess we didn't end up actually finishing the game because it was still taking too long yeah um, we played for like seven and a half hours yeah and we had like a lunch break but, but no it was longer no, than that because we, yeah. we stopped at 8 30 and we started at, yeah. well i guess we started at like yeah we didn't start at noon we yeah. like gathered at 11 30 and then mark you did like a spiel to kind of tutorialize everything yeah. i think we started playing in earnest at about noon but yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah when i checked in because I, I took off at about 5 30 mm-hmm. so that was five and a half hours in. <laughs> and then you guys were still playing a couple hours later mm-hmm. when i checked in with dale and then i think she sent me a text at around like 8 or 8 30 saying you guys had just decided that she won yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it, it's a famously a long board game mm-hmm. and i think the group we play with because we're all designers yeah we we tend to there's more table talk so the game takes a little longer with us yeah probably and i will say me in particular i would gamble mm-hmm. what we did was is uh, normally a three-player game but there are up to there are nine different uh species you could play as from the yeah. Trek universe and yep. so you could play a nine-player game you can the, the rules were always designed to let you play bigger and bigger mm-hmm. but it, it's almost it's it's absurd like you need you need six pool tables like to <laughs> a surface area <laughs> yeah, that's just not enough space to play with nine nine people yeah. and so um we did a four uh a species a four faction game mm-hmm. but we played with in teams of two um uh i played alone but everybody else in the team so we had, we had seven people i played by myself too. oh yeah. that's right yeah mm-hmm. so we had six people and then we had people bouncing in and out of the day yep. a little bit yep. and kind of joining teams and leaving them um and among them like four of them were new players yeah mm-hmm. um but one of the things I, re- I that was reminded about this game is another reason i love it um is that it actually is pretty easy to pick up yeah um yeah. weirdly both uh, yeah you, you were saying this it's like it just it once you once you're told a thing once, it fits in really well. Well, I don't know if it's like just because it's built so it it, it just aligns so well with the Star Trek lore. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's I I am not a you, but there still <laughs> is a good bit of Star Trek lore in my yes. head. Mm-hmm. So because it lines up with like the abilities and that kind of the lore really well, mm-hmm. it, maybe it's just easier to pick up because I've got like existing structures. But I don't think that's necessarily it, right? Like I it just really seems to manage 
the information really well yeah um using the pieces that are on the table and so you don't have to keep all the bits and bobs in your head yeah what you can do is you can focus on your strategy mm-hmm. and you can try to look at and see what what's going on with other people and so you're only ever really like quickly get to a point as a new player where you can consider the most relevant information at the point when you need to consider it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that really comes down to just really great design of inform- like information. Yeah. It's really cool. One of the reasons I don't like board games that are extremely dense um, and crunchy is because you inevitably run up against that problem where you have to keep so many things in your head. Yeah. And and it, it has to become like a dedicated hobby for you to even play at it, play yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's challenged by this game because it is pretty it's not as dense as some as the the most complicated of these types. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it it goes a lot further than I would have guessed because it does such a great job of letting you keep one thing in your head at a time. Um and things it very sequenced very well and and so many of the pieces logically fit together not just for the lore but i think for mechanically a lot of it just sort of like oh of course it works that way yeah uh, for the most part mm-hmm. I and mean, there's always a couple of little places where we had to look in the rule book or whatever but yeah um it it challenges my sort of ideology of like of of that of, of you inevitably hitting that wall mm-hmm. because maybe that's not as true maybe it's just really hard not to yeah you know yeah yeah also little ships flying around yeah. And when you went to warp, you could go. Whoosh. Yeah. Yes. No one actually did that. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. I didn't <laughs> under hear under your breath. You need to do it louder. We yeah. were across the table from each other. That's probably. You were yeah, way was... out in the gamma quadrant. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. I played Stephen the Dominion. played as the Dominion, yeah. and uh, he came streaming through the wormhole, mm-hmm. destroyed my outpost on Bejor. It was pretty satisfying. Gasp. And, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then tried to uh, establish a home base for Alpha Quadrant Jem'Hadar yeah. on Andor, yeah. but we all stopped him. Yeah. I, um, it's wait, just like the show. It was you? What? what do you mean it was me? Yeah, Steven invaded your homeworld. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, we're going to have words later. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then the Klingons did. Yeah, basically everybody and was And then Steven did this. again. Yeah. I mean, we were winning for most of the game, so I guess we had a target. <laughs> Dale, Dale and I teamed up. Yeah. And Dale's yeah. very good at board games, too. So like, that Yeah, I, I think next time we play, I'm going to play with Dale so that I have a chance. <laughs> oh, I okay. want to play with Dale so I win again. No. <laughs> nope, you're stuck with me now, Helen. No, it's okay. I want to play the Cardassians. Yeah, ah, that's yeah. a good one. I'm nice. committed. I I have no idea if that's a good idea. I just like the Cardassians. Yeah, cool. Because because you're a fascist sympathizer. I I get it. Oh, I just really like Taylors. <laughs> that's great. Uh, what are we here to talk about? Game development. Uh huh. Not Star Trek. No. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, very close second. <laughs> I mean, there's probably like a balance. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm that balance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mark has a topic. I yes. do have a topic. My topic today is branding and iconography. And this is something that I've definitely talked about on the show before. Oh, yeah. In some capacity. But I didn't even bother going back and check how I did because this is a different, slightly different angle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a really really more focused on the branding part on okay. the cuz like i mean you you can draw an icon you can make your your logo yeah. like there's lots of resources on how to do that right um but i think branding is what is what how the relationship you have with your the iconography you use the phrasing you use mm. the name of your game and the content of your game okay and so i think 
branding as a topic is a little bit like, oh, that's just marketing BS, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm indie, I'm above all that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, maybe you're above all that in the sort of most cynical way, mm-hmm. but you still are doing that, yeah. whether you know it or not. And so having an understanding of how it works, I think is very helpful. Because it helps people get an idea of what your game is, yeah. is right? And yeah. I think it's really easy to be like, oh, the idea I have is going to be hard to explain. It's like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If you can boil it down to something that is smaller, that is easier to explain, yeah. then that becomes the invitation into the larger, harder to explain thing. Yeah. And so it, it you're it's okay to have something complicated or unique or, or, or challenging, mm-hmm. but your branding, your logo, all that stuff, the name of your game, all that is the doorway into that stuff. Yeah. And so, and that doesn't mean that all that stuff also needs to be complicated and hard to parse. Right. If your game is complicated and hard to parse. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this is ultimately up to you because you decide with your, how you present it in the world, you decide who you want to attract. Yeah. Right. And who you're not interested in their attention. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, now, I think as game developers, I think we also sometimes just have the feeling of like, I, I would like anyone to play my game, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Yeah. I don't th- when when the like know your audience, do market research, all that stuff. That is all true. Right. But I don't think it's terrible for for an indie developer to say I just want people to play my game. I yeah. think that's you do need to do some research and you just see who is likely to play your game based on what you're putting out in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to target your game at everybody. That doesn't mean a failure of preparation exactly. Yeah. Um, but you do still need to do some of that preparation. Yeah. So maybe that's on the margins of what I'm talking about. But mm. um, so the first thing uh, I'll be talking about branding for your game, but also for your your studio for yourself because that's important too. Um, but the first thing you want is a name for your game. Right. And, yeah. Oh. And so I think there are different schools of thought on this. Uh huh. Some are like you want that early so it can guide the development of the project, mm. um, so you know what it is. And sometimes it's like. Pick a dumb names that you're not going to use. You'll fall in love with, but it's so terrible you can't use it. And that way you will eventually, as you develop your game and iterate, you'll find what it truly is, and then you can give it a name. Oh. I think both those uh, techniques are fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't do the second one. I do the first one. Uh-huh. I tend to come up with a name for a thing, have a concept for it, and then that is the inspiration that helped me build it. You know, I guess that's why I do it too. Now, yeah. now that I think about it, I, I came up with Rhythm Rumble. I was like, oh, I have this idea for a rhythm fighting game. What would be a good name for it? Rhythm Rumble, boom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I don't. I think it's to me, it feels like a trap to think of uh, to think of a silly name or whatever, and then come back to it years later. Because yeah. then you'll, yeah, I think you'll get attached to that name, yeah. and it'll be hard to remove yourself from thinking of the game in that way. Well, it comes down to what is interesting to you as a creator, yeah. because I think um, this is why I don't say prescribe the method I do it. Oh, that's, sure. that's the right way to do it, because yeah. a lot of times people don't, they, you come to it from different angles, right? It's mm-hmm. in any piece of media, especially something that's multidisciplinary like video games. Yeah. You might come up with like, oh, I, lo- I want to have a game with this animation style, but you don't know what genre it is. You don't know what, you don't know anything else about it. Yeah. That's a perfectly fine place to start. You can start with a ton of unknowns. Mm-hmm. You can start from like, oh, I want to make a game that like when you look at it is like almost monochrome, mostly blue. Like that is like nothing that, that is, gives you nothing about your game. Yeah. But it, you can start with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. So mm-hmm. I feel the same way about branding. It's like you can start with like this is going to be, you know, I'm just going to give it code name, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, it does mean that this process is going to have to happen later yeah. and you're going to be like cornered into it a little bit. But I suppose that makes it easier to come up with it because you've restricted yourself. In a lot of right. Ways. It's yeah. Where, where do you put your constraints? Right. Because yeah. so decisions need to flow from decisions. Yeah. And so it's, you just decide what decisions you make first. But okay. Um, so, but 
just to be to for for context, I come from it where I usually come up with this stuff pretty early. Sure. Uh, I, and if I do change it, it's because the idea has changed so much. Yeah. Right. It, it does take a lot to sort of knock me off that perch a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the key to a name is that it does communicate what it is. Yeah. And I think a lot of times indie games are named for for impact, like direct impact. Like this yeah. name is funny or this name is ironic. Mm-hmm. Or this name is uh, is something of something, which yeah. is you know because it's trendy or whatever. Yeah, untitled goose game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite game names. Yeah, mm. and uh, but I think the game needs to communicate the 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 sort of personality and the intent of a project. Yeah, like you, I think there there's a lot of indie games that kind of don't know what they are, and and they're still great, mm-hmm. but um, because they don't know what they are exactly, like. They're kind of they have a serious story, but then a, a bunch of comedy in the, yeah. in the in the the side lore, and then their title is also funny. Mm-hmm. But like they want you to take their the threat seriously, it, you know, yep. mm. uh, stuff like that. I'm not I'm not citing an example here. It's just sure. the kind of thing you see yeah. a lot of times, and and this just goes back to my like holistic ideology. Like all this stuff needs to fit together. Mm-hmm. And so if you're gonna come up with a name, you want it to actually communicate that. And so. If you're coming up with something with a lot of lore and you're na- you're, you have some like invented names, you you're going to be tempted to put a colon in there and like explain yeah. it a little bit further. Yeah. And sometimes you do want to do that, mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't want to do that. Yeah. Sometimes you want to have something that is evocative and unknown, and that is the that is the doorway in, right? Yeah. yeah. Because it, your game needs to represent what it is, but it's also not entirely what it is. Sure. Right. It is just the door into your project. So if it doesn't fully explain your project, that's fine. Yeah. As long as once you get through that door, the name still makes sense. Yeah, it's a hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the worst names in recent memory is Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I, don't love the name I was either. watching Dale play this game, mm-hmm. and she finally, near the end, found the Zero Dawn, which oh. is a, like a prop or some, Just some MacGuffin, MacGuffin yeah. in the thing. And I haven't played it, so I don't know all the details of it. But like, and so like, oh, that's why it's called that. But it's so far past, so far into the game. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, it was titled with a colon and a subtitle because they were setting up a franchise. Ah. And in fact, that is one of the things it tells you. It's oh, like, yeah. And that is I mean, that's a little meta, but like mm. that's actually OK yeah. as a reason to do that. Mm. Um, but I think it was kind of a bad name because Horizon itself. Yeah, doesn't say, say right. Did they find the Horizon? It doesn't say much about the story of the game to yeah. me like it. But I think that's there's that's to taste. Uh, okay. Other people might feel differently about it, but that's one where. I feel like it's the the budget and the marketing probably overcame some of the challenges of it, and sure. it wasn't a huge hit actually. Like oh. it, it was, it's a it's a it's sort of a steady seller mm-hmm. uh, with a long tail rather than a big. I mean, part of it is because it came out the weekend that Breath of the Wild did. Yeah, but um, but I think it took a lot of people a while to get to it because it it wasn't as easy to get through that door. I think. Right. Sure. Um, I'm not going to blame it all on that, but right. I think that's part of the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important, and right. so it, your your game does need to be that doorway, and it does need to it. it be correct once you get through it. Um, and that's the same with a logo, right? And the logos, it's going to be like, a, for games anyway, logos are usually logotypes, mm-hmm. which means they have the name in the logo. Yeah. Um, that is for efficiency's sake. And so I think that's perfectly fine to keep keep going on that. Mm-hmm. And because that's usually what's going to appear on your title screen. It's what's going to be on the store and the store page, all of that stuff. Yeah. And so one of the things that you have to think about when you think about that is, I think a lot of logos for games, especially indie games, are very much tied to their genre. If it's a mm. fantasy game, the logo has kind of a fantasy. It's you know, a, a, magical a, glowing rock, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so man, it's so funny. I feel like I missed that whole transfer. Fantasy used to be 
uh, trees and swords. Yeah. And maybe rust sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now it's glowing rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and like some uh, blizzard changed it uh, somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah. And then that's what it is now. Yeah. Uh, and also very, it's much more cartoony than it used to be mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. I was younger. That's true. Um, but yeah, you tend to put, make your logo over. If, you, if it's a sci-fi game, you want it to have a kind of, you want it, the logo to almost look like it came out of Blade Runner or something. Yeah. Like, and that it tends to be the prime inspiration for a lot of games mm-hmm. is, the, is the genre. And I think that is fine, but I think you could do better than that. Mm. Um, but what's unique about your game? And it, and this isn't to say that your game should not be a fantasy game with glowing rocks. Sure. That's your call. Yeah. Um, and and if and your logo is that too, then that does say something accurate about your game. So mm-hmm. like not knocking that entirely, but yeah. I feel like you could do more than that because yeah. you have the opportunity to do more something something unique with it. Well, because I mean, some of this stuff is like also helping. Uh, people pick it out of a lineup of other games, right? Yeah, this is the marketing angle that that I think sure. that I I kind of want to steer away. There's so Brian, oh, I, I wasn't even thinking of it in terms of marketing. I was just thinking of in terms of list of games on your Switch. Which games are you? Oh, play? I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What or what is this game at a glance? Can you tell what it is because mm-hmm. you have fifty mm-hmm. of them? Yeah, and I think well that that's that does still lead back into this idea of like sure. being rec- being catching your eye quickly. Oh, right? yeah, that's right. And so that's a little bit of a marketing angle. And I think yeah. branding is it's two things, right? It's mm-hmm. a it's a, a um. It's a it's a window into marketing, uh-huh. and and you want to design it in a way that makes your job a little easier, yeah, or more effective, yeah. But it's also a window into your content, right? And it needs to accurately describe those things. Mm-hmm. It's art and commerce, right? Yeah. And I think, um, and I'm talking more on the art side of it, yeah. which isn't to say the commerce side is not important or shouldn't be considered or weighed even greater than the art side when you're really just trying to make a dollar and live the next day yeah um those are all valid things but i think a lot of what i'm talking about is really more about the content side sure and so so those things can be in opposition they don't have to be Mm -hmm. um but sometimes they can be so when i think about like how your 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 logos your logotype is going to communicate what's in your game Uh you do have to consider is this going to properly sell the game but but i think just for now just in this context i'm thinking mostly about communicating what the game is yeah uh, once someone is looks at it right yeah. Wh- whether you get them to look at it is another story yeah and so i think i guess maybe part of it is people do sometimes just think only about getting people to look at it mm-hmm. and what that then mm-hmm. does is maybe that sets up for yes you got their attention but are you going to actually give them what they expect when they see it right because they see your logo with uh, lots of bezels bright colors and glowing rocks and they think fantasy game with uh-huh. a cartoony vibe yeah you are going to have to give them that. Right. And anything that's different about your game or strays from that, maybe because you had an interesting idea or maybe you want to change what that genre is, uh-huh. or maybe you just can't include all the things that like Clash Clans has or whatever. Yeah. Um, then suddenly you, you, the person who walked in through that door expecting one thing, um, they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe not like furious, you know, yeah. they're, they're not going to demand every piece of that, mm-hmm. but they're going to come in with that expectation. And they're no, they know every people are smart enough to know that they have a first impression and then thorough impressions. Yes. But if their first impression tells much more about what's not in the game than what is in the game, like if it just tells you about the style of it and nothing else, yeah. then the style is the only thing that they're going to, that it's going to meet their expectations. Yeah. And then you have to work harder to sell those other things. Yeah. Which means they're going to complain more about bugs. They're going to complain more about the features that are missing. Mm-hmm. They're going to complain more about that stuff because you didn't prime them for what your game really is. Right. In which case, a, a, a player can care a lot less about the little thing. Mm-hmm. I think we, as developers, mm-hmm. get really mad when gamers complain about the freaking little things. <laughs> and a lot of yes. times it's because they're they're kind of, it's not that they were sold a bill of goods or whatever. 
it's because like you didn't you didn't they stay they strayed off your path a little bit mm-hmm. you know um if you're on a path that makes sense to you as you're going through like uh, you know i'm using tons of metaphors here mm-hmm. but like that you're you're willing to uh put up with a few uh you know off-centered cobblestones right, right? yeah yeah um but if it's a path you don't know where you're going mm-hmm. then you'd rather it be comfortable <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Totally get that's that. The, that's the that's the that's a pretty strained metaphor, but I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm talking about three different games that I just picked pick randomly to okay. talk about how they how they make sense for this. Okay. So the first is Smash TV. Mm. Does anybody remember Smash TV? I remember Smash TV. So Smash TV was an arcade game, and it yeah. came to consoles. Um, and it is a top-down um shooter, mm-hmm. um, a twin stick shooter. Um, that is a it's co-op, and you play as a contestant on a TV show. Where you're sent room into room at to kill, I think they're robots. I don't remember actually mm-hmm. if, they, if yeah, they did yeah. that or you actually murder other. I know how it works, <laughs> but it's it's uh, over the top. It's it's very 1980s and it's yeah. styling, yeah. Uh, Running Man, um, uh, RoboCop, uh, yep. that kind of satire. Yeah, of of sort of of consumerism and as seen on TV and you know by now and that kind of. Before the internet, that was the cynical marketing stuff. Is the is you know the 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 big uh, spiky um, uh, sale sign on yeah. a television, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so their iconography is really really leans into that. Yeah. And so if you look at it, it's not it's very it's very much game show. Mm. And so it's the logo itself is kind of bad, <laughs> but it tells you everything you need to know. It's yeah. very specific to that style that is unique to that thing, and it lets you immediately understand the concept going in. Smash TV doesn't tell you that it's a top down shooter. Doesn't right. even tell you that it that 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 it uses like life or death you know simulations in a satire way. Yeah, and and so it, it does. There is a lot that it doesn't tell you. Mm-hmm. But once you know, once you learn those things, mm. all that makes sense. Yeah, because you're introduced in this over the top thing in the arc on the arcade uh, machine itself. It's not player one or player two. It's contestant one and contestant two. Ah, so th- all of that is part of the branding of the game. Yeah, right, and how it presents itself. So when you see it, that that irony is really important to it and, mm-hmm. and it comes across immediately. Yeah. Um, and so that's, a, I think that's a really good example. And it's not like it was a, a genius effort. It's yeah. just, it's just really well done. Like mm-hmm. it, it does, it picks all the boxes of doing it right. Cool. Um, so another one I was thinking of is Thomas was alone. Okay. Which is a, a, a indie platformer um, that um, was a, 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 a sort of a surprise hit. Mm-hmm. And you play as a little uh, a, a square named Thomas mm-hmm. who is alone. And <laughs> a, God, I love squares. The, <laughs> The best part about this game is that it has tons of narration yeah. that tells a story as you play this platformer that has like four colors. The background is like two colors. Mm-hmm. You are one. And then you meet other characters that are differently shaped rectangles. So yeah. that's just the I think a lot of people know this game, but that's yeah. just the background. And you're like, OK, so the characters are all uh, squares and rectangles. Mm-hmm. The platforming is all squares and rectangles. Yeah. Um, so the logo should be like kind of blocky or pixely or like squares. and re- Nope. The logo is a simple sans serif, like a very unadorned font mm-hmm. that in that says Thomas was alone in lowercase. Mm-hmm. And because it gets the it gets the the greater message, which is that the 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 style of the game is about minimalism. Right. Yeah. Not about squares. Ah. And so I think that's a case where you have to think about like, well, my game has X in it, so the logo should have X in it. That's yeah. not always the the answer to the question. Too literal. Yeah, and if you actually the logo for Thomas was alone, it's like the the most boring sans serif font. It's mm. not even a good one. Yeah, and that is important to it. It's like default font, mm. and that that is that I think is actually important to it selling that idea. So that when you start playing and it's this stark representation, and all of the story context is fed to you via the narrator, 
And your imagination does a lot of work in, yeah. in getting And it's a very effective moving story mm-hmm. uh, for a game that has almost no art in it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the, and the, the, the branding of it does an excellent job of like of being the door into that experience. Hmm. So I think that's a really good example. Yeah, cool. Um, and the other one is one that I think most people know is Minecraft. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I'm familiar. <laughs> so Minecraft's logo is blocky because Minecraft is made of blocks. Right. And yeah. so that's one that is more literal. Mm-hmm. And that's effective, right? Nothing wrong with that ultimately. Like yeah. Thomas Sloan could have done it. It mm-hmm. just did better that they didn't. But the thing about Minecraft that I think is the logo, at least the current one, because things have changed over, yeah. over the years because it's a, a huge brand, yeah. is that the logo is also epic. So oh. if you look at it, it's it's a beveled logo, but it's a you look you're looking up at it. Oh. It's 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 beveled yeah. up. So yeah. you so it's 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 in the sky. I it's see. big, and so and that's the thing about Minecraft is that it's, it's a, the it's this endless open world. It's a and big idea. It's mm. kind of funny that it's this end uh, that it's this huge epic thing. Yeah. Right. And that's what's kind of it's like here's this simple blocky thing. Look at it. Yeah. Like that's funny. <laughs> and the name, I guess, like Minecraft, like it doesn't seem like it's a big thing but yeah. then you look at it and oh, okay well and that's the that. thing is before minecraft became minecraft yeah it was named minecraft yeah so the name is actually not a big part of its brand yeah necessarily mm-hmm. because it's i mean it does a fine job describing what the game is right but like if you were to come up with minecraft today you'd probably call it something else yeah and that's perfectly fine mm-hmm. and i think the name made sense when the game was very simple and that was the core of it right. is that it that it's this simple environment this sort of blank slate sort yeah. of but now it's so it's so big in terms of the customization you can do and people build these enormous things in it. Um, and it's this sort of creator tool in a, in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that that sort of epicness and the irony of that, mm-hmm. I think, is actually part of its branding, which mm. I think is really, really cool. OK. And there's a very effective use, especially as that brand has evolved. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it does what it can with its iconography when its name can only do so much. Yeah. And that's true of your game, too. Right. Even if you come up with the perfect name for your content. It is just a name. It can only do so much. Yeah. Right. So the rest of it's gonna have gonna matter as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to think about like, oh, I'm not just gonna style it and make it look cool. It actually has to, it's the, it has to be the right face for it. Yeah. Um, and that is just easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the uh, other bit is about st- your studio, mm-hmm. and I'll just try to breeze through this a little bit because okay. a lot it's a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. But it applies to you and the work that you do. So I think a lot of indie developers we are a little self conscious about coming up with our studio names yeah because we're just like a person usually yeah and like maybe we're an llc maybe Uh, we're two or three people right it doesn't feel like we've earned the right to have a corporate business name or something Mm -hmm. and so a lot of time people will make jokes they'll be funny yeah that's pretty common i'm sort that's not my i don't like that Mm -hmm. so much i think you should take yourself seriously but i won't say that you shouldn't have a silly name yeah um or an ironic name i think the other thing that people do is they go the other way it's not that they feel so self-conscious they try to make themselves look great or yeah. sort of big. Mm. So they say there's something industries or like big time studios. Wow, something industries. Hmm. <laughs> what, what are you saying, Mark? <laughs> I mean, how, how much do you love Escape Industries? I love that name. Yeah. I'm the only one who loves that name. Yeah. Though, so. <laughs> but see, that that's that's that falls a little bit into the irony category, I yeah. think. Right. And it's it, I think studios is the one that gets me. That, oh, that sure. feels a little bit like yeah. you don't have to be something, something studios. Yeah. One, you're not studios. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> there's not more than one studio mm-hmm. as part of your your collection. You're mm-hmm. not an empire. Yeah. Right. Um, Industry yeah, yeah. I think is a little bit different. That's a little. That feels more playful to me. Okay. But again, everyone's. I think you will get people looking at that and maybe might interpreting that as one of the puffed up kind of names. Sure. So there's a little bit of risk to that. I'll be honest yeah, with you. But fair. I don't. I don't think it's the same as saying like your big, you know, big name Inc. or something like. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that's the only thing I would recommend you steer clear of. If you want to do a silly in-joke or, or irony or like a, you know, like a little fish, big, big uh, pond games or whatever. Sure, if yeah. you want to advertise your dinkiness, mm -hmm. like I, I don't think you should do that either, but that's, that's more just my personal feeling. Yeah, yeah. If, if that's something you really feel strongly about, mm -hmm. like you say, like, we, you know, we're a small studio or it's just me doing it or whatever. And therefore I want to communicate that fact. Yeah. And not in an apologetic way, but in a positive, like forward, you know, like yeah, a, I'm a, owning this. Yeah. Yes. Then go for it. And mm -hmm. I think that's important to decide what you are. And that's where, like, the least cynical bits of all this comes in. Yeah. Which is really deciding, like, what it is. And this is for your studio and for your game. But, like, what do you stand for? Like, what is your, what is your, what is your game about? What are you about as a studio, as a, as a developer? How do you communicate that with the iconography you use, the names that you choose? How do you do that in a way? And how do you, if you're making multiple games and, you're ma and you haven't decided, like, even uh, I'm going to make an RPG and then I'm going to make a shooter and then I'm going to a platformer. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't want your, if your first game is an RPG, you don't want your studio name to be like, you know, super role-playing ink. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, because you, unless, unless you are committed to mm -hmm. that's the genre. So if you, you just have to know what that pins you into. Yeah. And now I think what people don't do, and this is, I'm, uh, this is where I think most people should think more about this, is they come up with a fun name and that's it. Mm. And they put it on their website and they make a fun logo. Yeah. But all it is is fun or interesting or good or whatever. Right. And it, it has no relation to the games they make. Yeah. It has no relation to the, the type of works they do or yeah. what they believe in, um, what they stand for. Your branding is your artist state mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. This is where it's separate from just commerce yeah. and where it's much more important in indie. You, if you want to publish under your own name instead of a, a studio name, that is also a choice you're making that is, that is branding. Right. Right. You're, you're putting yourself out there as the brand. Um, and that is also fine. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people do do that. And I think that's a, and that, and that is an important thing to do if that's something you believe in. Yeah. That it's about you as an artist rather than the sort of like entity that you've created. Yeah. Right. Or created in partnership with other people. Mm -hmm. um, but it has to it has to reflect like what your aims are as a studio. What do you want to make? What do you believe in? Who do you, who, what kind of audience are you serving? What kind of people do you want to respond to that? The people who respond positively to your branding. You want those people to the people who are interested in your games. Right. And so I think you just, I think there's more consideration I think is, is required. And I think most people do just kind of like come up with something fun and that feels like tick to box. Yeah. We're fine. And you can get away with that. And a lot of people have. Yeah. But I think you can do better with that stuff mm -hmm. um, because it is really satisfying because it's cool to have something you believe in. Like yeah. it's just cool. Yeah. It motivates you. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And uh, speaking for myself, like Noble Robot is my company. Mm -hmm. And it it is I mean maybe it's a funny name, but like the logo is not funny. Like the logo is clean and simple and it reflects my feeling of of like like ethics and uh, precision. Yeah. Like that's important to me. Mm -hmm. It's also important to me that like you can make a robot with feelings. Mm -hmm. Like that's you know what I mean? Like conceptually that I I want that's what I want to, to, to communicate. Yeah. And like with all art, it's not going to, my full impression is not going to get across to people yeah. with just the name. But it's that first step into that door of finding out what I'm about, what, what the things I make are about. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll never be embarrassed by it mm -hmm. because it, re it represents something I believe in. Yeah. And I think you should do that for yourself as well. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something about Future Club, but I don't know what to say. <laughs> I didn't come up with the name. I just joined after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I really like the name. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, hopeful and friendly. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of our like mission statement and stuff too. I don't know how they came up with the logo for Future Club, but like there's rainbows and a star. Yeah. Perfect. It's pretty. Well, when you find out it's a co-op, you're like, yeah, it's a Future Club. Yeah. Like that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, 
that's the thing. The more you find out about an organization, the more its branding should make sense to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's okay to be confused by it at first. Mm -hmm. But the more you learn, the more sense it should make. So sometimes when you have a brand that you've built, mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to sell merch. Hey! Merch, merch, merch. Marketing. This is the marketing part. Why, yeah. would, why would you bring that up, Mark? Uh, because we here at Nice Games Club, mm. the fine folks at Nice Games Club, yes. uh, have a t-shirt that we've put our brand on. Yeah. And you can get it at nicegames.club slash shirt. And uh, not only can you get it, you can feel very comfortable and proud wearing it. Yeah, you can. So comfy. So soft. So yeah. nice. Ah. It's got our logo on the front, and it only the logo. Yeah. So people will have to ask you what it means. Yeah. <laughs> which is something we did on purpose because mm -hmm. it's not. I I didn't design the the shirt to be an advertisement for the show. Yeah. It's for you. Yeah. The person who bought it. It's right. not for you to to advertise our show to other people. Mm -hmm. It's for you to enjoy and appreciate. And yes. so, and it's got the URL in the back in tiny letters. So if you need, if someone <laughs> needs to see it, you can show it to them. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's it's. Good tie-in, too. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Again? Nailed it. <laughs> Nicegames.club slash shirt. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a complete, completely different thing. Uh, you know, okay. like sometimes we have a... <laughs> Sometimes I'm sure it's happened once or twice. We have a graceful segue from one topic to the next. You'd, uh -huh. you'd have to send me some examples before I believe you. It's been hundreds of episodes. I yeah. can't keep track of it all, but I just gotta have happened once or uh, twice. Yeah, once or twice. So just no. law of averages. Yeah, exactly. It's just a law of exactly law of large numbers. Yeah. Um, no, this is a. I wanted to actually kind of take this round table to uh, as an opportunity to continue a conversation that we kind of kicked off couple weeks ago when we talked about idle games mm -hmm. so um you remember that time that we talked about idle games and you like doomed an entire genre of gaming yeah i was hell? like i was like this whole genre is garbage and sucks and has no redeeming qualities and uh -huh. i was very emph emphatic about it uh -huh. and, then, and then you guys were both like i don't know and then ellen later you were like i agree kind of well yeah although but now i have like lots of interesting questions because oh, okay. yeah. i do i do i do feel like i agree but also mm. I wonder if I'm not digging deep enough. Oh, and okay. I'm wondering that because 
of all the conversations has happened on Discord since that episode aired. Yeah, a lot of conversations, yeah. Right. So as of yeah, today. Yeah, people really taking what we said and like adding their own experiences to it too. Yeah. Right. Not just their own like opinions, but like the knowledge they have that extends past what we were able to bring. To right. The table. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is like, it's just a dream come true. I'm like, mm-hmm. just like, even, you know, even if the rest of this conversation goes nowhere, I'm just really just absolutely so happy that like this episode sparked such great conversations on the discord um but yeah that episode from where we're sitting today mm-hmm. recording it came out last thursday yeah right. hasn't even been out a whole week and there's just been like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling in discord trying to catch up with the conversations but we had people who actually do develop idle games come mm-hmm. in and weigh in and really sparked some interesting some interesting conversations so i wanted to revisit this topic prior to that discord conversation because yeah. i wanted to think about like you know the ethics of engagement and i'll get a little yeah. bit i'll get more into why that title is actually important um i kind of as we dig into the topic um but i just want to say for the record that was still on the it was still part of the plan before the discord conversations okay but now there's even more stuff to talk about because mm-hmm. of all these really interesting ideas that people have brought up mm-hmm. and y'all know where to get to the discord if you haven't come there already so we nice can games that club slash discord thank you steven okay yeah, so get in there and, and join in the conversation or at least see what people have written because it's really cool. Yes. Um, but there's been, yeah, lots of interesting um, conversations. So we've got people mentioned like the Idle Kit engine and we can link to some of these things as well. Um, Lane, one of our um, most uh, vocal participants in the Discord. <laughs> That's a compliment, Lane. Mm. Um, he said he's done some work on on these and he said they are in fact broken on purpose as Mark describes. That's what he said. Yeah. Some things that were brought up were like the ethics of money versus like spending money to advance versus spending more time to mm-hmm. advance and like ads versus monetization. Yeah. Um, some other interesting topics that came up were events, like in-game events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. It could be an entire topic on its own. Yeah. I think uh, Martin brought up the idea of like an unfolding game as a way to differentiate um certain games in this genre oh. from like cookie clicker yeah mm-hmm. yeah i remember that mm-hmm. yeah and i need to dig into more and that is kind of probably not we might come around to that today depending on where our conversation takes us but yeah it's 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 all that and people also just put a bunch of idle games that people felt that didn't have some of the problems that we mentioned yeah and a couple ones that specifically have endings yeah, yeah. which was one of the things that we t- we just started to touch on yeah in yep. the last episode but weren't able to really get to yep yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. So um, lots of things to dig into. The things that I want to dig into today are are two big questions. Um, And the first big question is, when it comes to engagement, how does consent factor into this picture? Mm, Right? So let me me give you kind of where I'm coming from. Right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm opting into an entertainment experience, it's because I am, I want my emotions to be manipulated. Sure. Right? Like I am opting into that. I am giving consent to myself and to the product that I'm engaging with to make me feel some things. That's what I'm paying for. Um, So the question I think that becomes pertinent when we're talking about idle games and, and, just really game design in general is at what point does that relationship go too far? Mm-hmm. Like how much does me buying the game or opting into it con- communicate consent and how, how much can I do that and still maintain control? And when do yeah. I lose control? And, That's you know, a really fascinating uh, 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 way to view it is yeah. consent. Um, because mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, when you, when you're viewing a piece of media or in, in engaging with a piece of media, it doesn't have to be a video game, um, a movie or something you are expecting, yeah, to be 
your emotions to change, right? Things are going to happen and you're going to be like happy or sad or angry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's a certain level of trust between the view, the participant and the creator. Um, And once that trust breaks, I think is when that's when, that's when some, that's when things start to uh, become problematic, I think. And it's hard to know where that line is, I think, but it's like, I think that's what I'm thinking of. So, like, I guess, for instance, if you're watching a movie, right, and there's some content in that movie that the movie did not prepare you to happen, um, it can be such a such a drastic shift um, in your mood, in your engagement of that, that it could really not just like sour you on that on that, you know, experience, but also just like um potentially emotionally harm you a little bit right Mm -hmm. um so i think it's a similar i think that's kind of how i would approach it is that like you need to uh, that uh, that level of trust needs to stay established yeah there's a a a recent and i say recent last couple of years but uh, an example of this um uh, boyfriend dungeon oh yeah Um, Mm -hmm. there was a there was a lot of discussion about um content in that game that people were not expecting right that challenged them and 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 was very difficult mm. for people to experience. Mm-hmm. And that level of consent is really interesting because, in my view, anyway, when you begin a, a, a when you start when you buy a piece of media, yep. when you engage with a piece of art, yep. you are consenting. You are giving your consent to the artist to manipulate you. Yeah, yeah. And so, and Stephen, you're right. That level of trust. Yes. And people have different levels of tolerance to like when they feel that trust is broken. Yep. And when and how much they're willing to to experience things they didn't necessarily sign up for, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, I mean, really, we want to be surprised, yeah. right? We want, but there's a difference between surprise and and sudden trauma, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the case uh, um, for a lot of pieces of media, and one of the reasons why to bring it to idle games that mm. I struggle with giving it a pass, um, even conceptually, is that you you. The idea that you can stop whenever the player wants to stop. Right. It's like, I don't know, when you start the experience, you are consent, you are handing over a little bit of control to the developer. Yeah. And I think that a developer needs to take a lot more care than they do sure. yep. with that. Mm-hmm. And and they need to understand how much responsible they have. Because it does seem weird to say like, well, it it's like, it's a, it's a human being. They can do, do what they want to do. Yeah. It's still so hard for us to get past that idea. Yeah. But even with something that doesn't have inherently... Um, uh, addictive qualities, even things that are just engaging, right? Mm-hmm. The, that's the, the topic engagement. Even at that level, you are controlling the the, the viewer or the, yeah. the person who's experiencing it. You are ex- exhibiting a level of control and that is a huge responsibility. Right. Yes. And so that is why people got really upset with Boyfriend Dungeon is because they felt like I handed my heart to you and I didn't expect you to do this with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's, it's not, there's no right answer to it because yeah. you do hand your heart to a developer and you don't want them to tell you what they're going to do with yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. You want them to trust you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I, You know, I wonder if this is just kind of something that I'm just kind of following my intuition in this in this idea, but let's see where it takes me. Okay. Um, I wonder if this is something that ha- is weird with technology, right? Because tech- in this instance with video games, right, and mm-hmm. with lots of, you know, lots of today's media mm-hmm. you are using technology as an intermediary like it's the media for the experience right yeah and so as part of that we have these things where you have to execute or you opt in or you 
you agree to the terms and conditions and you certify you're not actually a robot, even though you might be one. Um, <laughs> jury's still out. Jury's still out, at least on a mark. Uh. <laughs> I mean, again, his brand is Noble Robot. I just want to point that help. out. <laughs> right. um, but that's like a one-time thing, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? You give consent to your data when you're signing up for a website one time, and right. then you might make you sign in again. And when they change their terms and conditions, you got to do it again. But yeah. that's because the terms and conditions change. You yes. do it once, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually how human relationships work, yeah. right? Right? You don't get consent one time, and then you're good and to you're go good forever, forever right? Yeah. Right? Like this whole co- the conversation over the last many, many years that has, I guess, amped up conversation about enthusiastic consent Mm -hmm. when it comes to like sexual behavior Mm -hmm. it's not just sexual behavior like it's any behavior yeah right and so like your degrees of consent are not necessarily going to be all like very explicit and verbal but like you know you want to go to get a coffee sure it doesn't mean that i'm always going to assume you're going to go get coffee with me from here on out and that's just kind of an understood part of human interaction Mm -hmm. i think for many people um probably there are some you know there might be some like neurodivergent conditions where it's not obvious, but like it's something that's that's kind of built in, I think, for many. Right, right. Or it's something that you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, computers don't do that, right. <laughs> right? And so, to a certain extent, video games don't do that, mm-hmm. and we've learned that computers don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how that. Um, kind of dual dynamic when it comes to consent. Like it's a human experience because you are a human and you are having emotions, but it's also like mediated through a piece of technology that only oh. has like binary yes or no's. Yeah. So if you're the developer, you have to bring the humanity back into it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this this is the case. I, I would argue this is the case with any form of media. It doesn't matter whether it's a computer or a piece of paper. Because um, like ultimately it's, yeah, it's just a form of media and the, artist is the one creating and developing it so they're the ones still controlling it they're just using the media as a form of communication i don't know that that i i, I guess they're arguing that it doesn't excuse them from having to consider these yeah things. yeah no i think we're saying the same thing okay um i just think it like it might be just because of how we inter interact with technology mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. it might be something that just kind of like doesn't intuitively jump to the front of our minds. Yeah. And oh, I, okay. And I think in a lot of media, uh, the 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 thing that's tricky, and this is why Boyfriend Dungeon was such a, a notable example, is yeah. because if you're watching a TV show, and then it gets to a point where it introduces a character that you hate, yeah. or that has, or it is expressing a philosophy you disagree with. Right. Something. I'm trying to be sort of tame with this. Just something you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. You can be like, oh, I love this show so much. I'm gonna keep watching, even though I sort of hate it. Mm-hmm. But you you might eventually bounce off of it, right? Yeah. So the line is not so thin. Right. Yeah. It it has it has its sort of like negotiated points um, and, and you, you do trust a, a, a provider of content in whatever medium to you. You give your consent for them to deliver things to you. Yeah. And then so, you know, you may be surprised, you may be unhappy, mm-hmm. but then then you can always rescind that at any at sort of any point. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's the thing where the where the computer part comes in. It's, it doesn't happen right away. Right. It's not. That's an, it's a negotiated point that yeah. you make with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then, but with video games, the notion of engagement, because it's interactive medium, yeah. that line gets thicker and thicker. Yeah, okay. and, and those negotiated elements become things that other parts of your brain are, are um, passing through instead of you, instead of your sort of actual like decision-making part of your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your lizard brain takes over yeah. and starts, and then, then you are condemning yourself to something you dislike because there are other things that 
on balance, your brain is like, let's keep doing it. Right. And, right. and Idle Games is the supreme example of this. And so for a developer, it's very difficult to make something like that that has those engagement tactics that then also provides ways for the for the the user to disengage. Yeah. Without essentially ruining the game. Because right. engagement is good, like for video games. Right, right. exactly. It, it isn't that as a concept is not bad. Right. But it's a dangerous weapon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's more so than I think it is in, in other media. Yeah, yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. I mm-hmm. think um, you know, we talked about idle games before. The issue I had with uh, the ish, the the what I was what I was trying to say, I think during the, the mm-hmm. idle games episode, is that like I feel like I think that it is possible to create this engagement curve responsibly enough where you can still give the player um the ability um. The, the ability to 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 escape, I guess, the content if they want to leave the content. Yeah. Um. I think it's very difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. And frankly, I don't think that a lot of games are even interested in approaching that idea. But, um, I think that, I think it is possible. I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I think the. Mm-hmm. Not to totally argue with you because sure. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. And and I think the reason most games don't do it. Yeah. Is because there's no reason to. Right. Like there's mm-hmm. no like. Uh, this is this is me painting the genre with a broad brush which yeah. i've done before and i'll do it again uh, <laughs> sorry that's fine I, and i am truly that's like it's what led us here <laughs> right but i think there's like the the what else is there to an idle game yeah other than engagement you're asking me that yeah i oh, mean okay. maybe rhetorically but sure. so what you say is you introduce these other things to disengage yeah that's fine but doesn't that hurt the only mechanic the game has? yeah i suppose no. i don't no. know I don't... oh okay <laughs> ellen disagrees <laughs> No, okay. So I think, and this is this is exactly what I was hoping we'd get into. Yeah. Um, I hope I didn't say no too too like emphatically for nice games. Club. No, I think that was the right amount of shut us down that we needed <laughs> yes, at the moment. Yes, no. <laughs> um, I don't think dis I don't think disengagement is the right word. Okay. I I think that's actually the problem. Ah. I think when you frame it as this binary between engagement and disengagement, then you are automatically framing it in a thing in a way that like fights against well, first of all, like the capitalist impulses that are that we have to kind of work within. Yeah. Um, because engagement, engagement, engagement. Why would you not want engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because if you only go after engagement, then you can never get re-engagement. And yeah. like so. Oh. That's so much of human existence is lean in and back off. Yeah. You mm-hmm. breathe in, you breathe out. Yeah. And you have these natural rhythms that we are like, maybe this is getting too philosophical, but we are like biologically hardwired to go back and forth between things. Mm-hmm. And if you are only engaged, then you never have the opportunity to step back, let that experience settle with yourself and then choose to re-engage. Yeah. And I actually think it's the cycle of engagement and then like re not resetting, but like reflection and re-engagement yeah. that actually builds like really deep, a really deep connection with an experience. Yeah. You know, like when I, the, the games that I love the most, I mean, I'll bring up night in the woods again. I played it a few times mm-hmm. and when I've played it, like I I binged the heck out of it, right? Yeah, like yeah. I didn't binge it all in one session, but I binged it like a few times. Yeah. But you know, in a few different sessions. But between those sessions, my brain was firing on all cylinders thinking about this game and like going over the experience again in my head. Mm-hmm. And then going back to it and returning to it was a much more powerful experience mm-hmm. than if I had just powered through it. And like yeah. the same thing when I'm reading books, and I have a terrible habit of reading 
books late into the night so quickly <laughs> yeah. that I can barely remember what happened, but I yeah. just can't stop because I'm so like so enraptured by this, which yeah. is actually yeah. an interesting example of like the kind of thing you don't want in idle games, but it's not an idle game, it's a book. Right. Like yeah. you can you can create these unhealthy patterns, I think with any combination of a person with a particular psyche and a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's fantasy books. Those shiny rocks get me every time. <laughs> um, point being, though, is I have to make myself stop, step back, let it settle, and then re-engage with it if I'm going to have the richest, most rewarding experience. Mm -hmm. And so I actually think that framing it as, as disengagement is part of the problem and might actually be contributing to like the singular focus on engagement that can be such a problem in this genre oh, okay. is that we aren't thinking about the re-engagement cycle and how that can actually be something that improves the game experience. Now, the thing is, I'm not sure if it actually would improve the monetization of it. Yeah. And that yeah. gets back to... And I mean, I yeah. don't know. I, I've never... I, I'm not talking about monetization at all. I think, yeah. especially, well, I think in general, it's really unhealthy to get people to constantly engage with the thing and not feel like they can leave the product. That's yeah. unhealthy. <laughs> but uh, I, I, like, I don't want to. I specifically don't want to talk about monetization because, like, I just in general, I'm just like that. Having people constantly feel like they have to spend money in order to keep up with something, or they feel like they have to do it because the game is very much encouraging them to do it. I. I that's we're bad. we're carving that out as a separate problem. Yep. Yeah, okay. I I'm totally with you. On that. Okay. Yes, right. yes, yes. Um, but I think I think that's a really fascinating framing to think of it as instead of thinking of it as disengagement, as thinking of it as a a cycle where you have time to reflect on your experience. Um, I think that is important. I think that's important with any game, any media you're coming but into. But I would, maybe it's because mm. I have an addictive personality. Okay. And so I'm on the lookout for things like this, and mm -hmm. this might be why I'm particularly concerned about things that exploit that because okay. I, I can easily fall into it. Sure. I will read late into the night. I will watch seven episodes when I only had time for three. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. I'll yeah. definitely do yeah. that. But I don't think there's any media that has these net that like essentially is designed with stopping points, right? Like there are chapter yeah. markers and there are episodes and there are places where you could take a break, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Like it's interesting. You talk about that re-engagement, that, that being so essential to your well, experience of media. Because I don't feel that I I feel I'm not good at that. I and I, I and I don't. I'm not good at it either. No, no, I know, but I, <laughs> but I mean to say that like, um, I don't know that there's any media that is designed to take advantage of that that function. And I I as you describe it, like that would be neat, but um, partly because I don't generally experience things that way. Can I talk to Mark's point and then Stephen? Yeah, go ahead. You were, okay, so. I agree with you mm -hmm. and also disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> um, I this agree. That's the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was, there was one one line that you used at some point, like in the last year, Stephen, that I uh -huh. thought was just the best, which is what I don't entirely disagree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I always come back to that one in my mind. I don't entirely disagree with you, Mark. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think that you're right in that um, lots of media is not set up for that in a way that's like very powerful or mm. easy to grab onto. Yeah. Some pieces of media and some platforms are easier to take advantage of those moments than others. Yeah. Right. For me, like uh, your standard sci-fi novel or like fantasy novel or just regular novel. Well, like science, sci-fi and fantasy for me, like it's really easy to just turn to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think partly just because I'm so familiar with those genres. Yeah or if you consider them to be one genre, the genre, like <laughs> that 
I don't need to take as much time away from it to process. Yeah. Whereas like if I'm reading a, you know, a romantic novel from the 19th century in England, like I'm going to need some time between chunks to be able to process it all. Mm -hmm. Or like the nonfiction books that I read about like learning psychology, still on educating intuition (laughs) because I have to take so much time between each chapter to really think about it because it's so dense and it's just really challenging for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Netflix, you go right from one episode to the next. It lets you skip right over the credits for Pete's sake and skip right over the intro, well, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. but like HBO doesn't have exactly the same one. So it's a little easier to take breaks between episodes. Mm-hmm. And at any point, you can just pause and you can go do something if you need to yeah, take care right. of it. Right. So, like, it's interesting we talk about these things because, like, uh, like, because they're not interactive the way the games are, but a lot of the same psychology comes to play. Right. Now, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about these different experiences compared to, like, Egg Inc. Yeah. There was never a moment. There's never a moment. You yeah. get the next egg, and then you can meet, you immediately, like, literally, it's like every couple seconds you have a new choice. Yeah. Right. And that rhythm never lets up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ever. Yes. That's what I mean by there's no cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no and, opportunity for that cycle. And that's what I think that a lot of these, the, a lot of these, I think a lot of these idle games are not meant to end either, just like solidly end. Most right, forms of right. media have a solid ending. Like you can watch what, however many, what happens, like 700 episodes of One Piece or some junk. Um, <laughs> but, and it's still technically going on, but the dang show has to end at some point, right? Does it? Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I assume this is becoming media criticism <laughs> a little bit. Okay, keep but, going. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that yeah, most of these things have solid endings. Even when you're like really into a game and you're you know you spend you play it until five o'clock in the morning, like I've done with Civilization. Eventually, somebody wins a science victory, and then that's the end of the game. And then I have nothing to do but sit there and think <laughs> about what I did. <laughs> play it for five till five in the morning, right? Yeah. I think that that is an aspect of it that is that is missing from a lot of idle games. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, that is part of what makes it dramatically more uh, problematic. It's, I think it still is problematic in that, like, you know, if you're still spending um, two days of your life, you know, engaged with this game for a long period of time and then it ends, that's still a long period of time in which you were engaging with this game and that still can be an issue, right? But mm-hmm. um, I think that's still, I think that still is impact. I think that's still important, especially if the player knows that they can, they can um, take, like, they can feel like they can take some time away from it, and the game will respect their time enough for them to come back to it, and it'll give them a satisfying ending at the end of their whole engagement pattern. You know, and I think the thing that's missing from games in general, because yeah. I think of Civilization, yeah, and I maybe mentioned on the show before, like they've. One more turn, quote unquote, is like part of their brand. It is, yeah. And and in in fact, I have a problem with that. Mm. Like I I feel that's a very bad message. Yeah. Like that it's like, oh, this game is addictive. Let's sell it on that basis. Yeah. And and the thing is, is because it doesn't have microtransactions, it doesn't have it doesn't have abusive monetization. Yeah. We kind of give it a a pass, but like we've said, we've we've excerpted that from this topic. Right. Right. And so I think Civ is very much similar. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I would agree with that, and I would criticize that on a lot of the same uh, things. Sure. As much as I really quite like that game, mm-hmm. right. um, but I think what's so what is missing from games, and because games are built around one core gameplay loop, yeah, like even games with lots of variety or lots of chapters or lots of changes as you progress through, yeah, there, and this is something that's taught is that games are built around one, maybe two, but usually one core gameplay loop, yeah. And when you talk about like your the chapters of the textbooks that you go through, the reason it's probably easier for you to stop and reflect 
is because you're done with that topic and you're moving to a new topic. Mm-hmm. And it can build on the topic, and, 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 but that's why it's hard to keep going because you need to have reflected in order to properly use what you learned to apply to the new thing you're learning. Yep, yep. And games don't do that so much. They, oh. Or they do it on a hyper tiny scale yeah, yeah, in, okay. a way, in a way that is uh, uh, unending and yeah. still all wrapped around that one core gameplay loop. Mm. Right. And so that is maybe a criticism of just games in general. But mm. the reason, and, and like what I was saying, that n- not a lot of media has these stopping points where they make an effort to tell you come back tomorrow, yeah. right? I mean, that's pretty literal, but I can't think of anyone who's done, anything that's done that. Yeah. But there are other ways. You don't have to do that literally. There are ways you can get around that. Are you still watching? <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, actually, there's something recent is yeah. a, a new social media app called Be Real. Oh, yeah. Where the, the notion is, is that the thing with social media, it has that engagement problem mm-hmm. that you, you scroll, you scroll, you scroll, you, you, you curate, you post, you, it is addictive in a lot of the same ways that, that idle games or games in general can be. Yep. And the thing about this social network is that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You have to, it, an alarm goes off and you have like two or three minutes to take a picture and that's all, and that's the only time you can share something. Mm. And so the idea is, is that you, you're, you're denied the ability to care more about it. Yeah. And that's why it's called Be Real. And like, I haven't downloaded it. I don't think I'm that interested. Yeah. But like, as a concept, I really applaud it mm. for like ta- tackling at the source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I also think that that might be why it won't be successful ultimately more than like a fad that it is, you know, it has a hype cycle right now. Mm. But that is something that does have those kinds of things where it does wants you to step away and come back yeah. to, to make the coming back more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like this be real thing. I'm instantly skeptical. Oh, I know. I saw your face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. New but, social media that does this innovative thing. You're like, oh, come on. Well, and it's called Be Real. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, Be, be Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but it almost to me, it seems more like the, the, the point is to have the conversation. Like, yeah. And it's all about the restriction. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm thinking like, it, it almost seems like there's a, we decided we were going to take the ethics of monetization away from this conversation. Yeah. Yes. And we're really focusing on the ethics of attention and right. engagement yes. um, and that kind of behavioral design. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is like, just, it needs to advance a bit more as a, as a genre mm-hmm. so that it can invent some of the patterns that are, that are needed to manage this in an ethical way. But I, want, I guess I can come back to that. I, I want, before I advance into that next question, because yeah. you see in the notes I have second big question, and I think we're almost there. <laughs> I do want to point out that um, Zakatar, uh, who is a developer of Idle Games, he's mm-hmm. made a game called Idle Acorns, and he called, made a game called Just Button, which I'm very intrigued about. That's a good name. Yeah, It's a, a good, good name. name. <laughs> we were talking about game names earlier. Yeah. Just Button. I love it. I'm very excited. I just, I want is it just a button? I yeah. hope so. Yeah. Um, it could be anything, but I, as long as, like, that is very attractive. And as long as there yeah. is a button, yeah. that <laughs> name will make sense. Button. I, uh-huh. like, I really want to. And yeah. also just the idea of idle acorns. It's like, acorns are cute. We should think about acorns more. <laughs> um, they mentioned um, that designing the game so that the longer you are playing, they, they designed the game so that the longer you are playing in the game, the less there is to do. Mm-hmm. And in this way, the, de- the design subtly encourages you to take a break. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. And then they mentioned it also has an ending. Not that it definitively ends, but that you eventually run out of things to do. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that would be a satisfying ending for me. Yeah. But really, I wanted to mention that um, because of that way that the game is designed to encourage you to take a break. So it's not like 
ending your action and like okay do you, you you know the Wii stops you from playing maybe you should take a break now yeah. Yeah. it it kind of lets you instead of like shooting you out of the pool it lets you rise to the top of the water and breathe yeah uh, and I think that's interesting and that's the kind of innovation that I'm talking about like mm. the genre needing to develop mm. is those kinds of patterns that feel good and that was the last thing that Zach and Tara mentioned was I actually think this is just leaning into a healthy version of the way that players of this genre want to play yeah like they want that kind of like tactile engagement um that's like very very sensation driven and kind of fiddly mm -hmm. but they also want to be able to put the thing down and not not feel like they're missing out you know yeah. like have those moments where the game just like you know is with you and like having fun and then it's like hey you still good mm -hmm. see i think this is where this kind of cuts to the thing that i'm concerned most about mm. is that I think there's a lot of theories on how to make this work, but yeah. I don't know that we have a lot of data on this kind of healthy engagement yeah. set setup. Sure. And I, I think the shooting you out of the pool is better than the slowly bring you up. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of make that case, which is that everyone is a little different. Mm -hmm. And the, the slow, like, I mean, in the idle games that I've played, I slowly run out of things to do because I'm not spending money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That doesn't make me less frustrated or more like holding the phone in front of my face, waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah, it takes quite a while to break me of that. Of that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm assuming I'm not that different from other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think the the just like a pause button, like <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I think the the it's this is why I get uh, um why I sort of stand up for my original argument, which mm -hmm. is that the that there is no saving this genre. Um, which I'm happy to have challenged, but like I think the 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 argument I make for that, and I still make for that, yeah. is that every little mitigation strategy you use doesn't get around the problem, which is just the the core of the design is that it it's it's the more more more, and so you can make that less addictive. You could you could force players to take breaks, but like what is the point is still to then capture that engagement again can i argue that that doesn't have to be the point of the idle game is more 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 well other than that i think is the big challenge of the of the genre yeah like um i think one of the things about civilization mm -hmm. that is interesting that it's not just that you win maybe yeah. that's why you play steven <laughs> <laughs> it is but maybe it's because i always go for science victory sure. but i really like the thematic elements of like seeing what leads to what yeah like i i I, com I always complain about stirrups how annoying a technology that is on the <laughs> technology tree yeah but it's fascinating to see the, the sort of abstraction of like oh stirrups led to this mm -hmm. i wouldn't have guessed that like it that little sort of experiencing history in that abstracted yeah fictionalized way yeah there is that there's a purpose to that it's right. not just to make the game accurate and it's not even really to educate frankly yeah it's it's a way to like have you make you think about how progress works yeah. and how civilizations are built. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually, I don't think I actually know more about what leads to what in, in terms of like reading a history textbook. I don't think yeah. it's a replacement for that. Yeah. But conceptually understanding that is a, is a useful outcome of playing civilization. Yeah. I don't think idle games have that. And I don't think they can't have that. Yeah. But I think that there's no advantage to it in terms like it. I haven't seen an idle game that, like has put in that effort because what is that effort? What does it get you as a developer? Um, and that does bring monetization back, right? Because the reason idle games want your attention is not that you'll be forced to spend money to progress, mm -hmm. not to pay to win, mm -hmm. but because the more time you spend in the game, the more opportunities they have to put the store in front of you. Okay. That is that is how it works. It's yes. not 
it, it's not just to force you to play to win. It's just the longer you play, the more shots they it's have. It's just to you. get you to keep looking. Yeah. At it. yeah. And, and if so, and so I think that if that's the core of, if the core of the game is just to get you to play more, if that's mm-hmm. its point, right. Um, it, it needs something other than that, and that or something I, instead of that. I guess that's what I'm arguing is I don't think that the games have to be that. I think yeah. that, frankly, 99.9% of these games are that. And, right. I, like, and I'm not trying to argue against like the, that fact. Um, I, I think that it just is. I don't think it's necessary for an idle game to only be about being more. I think it can be like a puzzle or something that you can solve. Yeah. Or or I can't think of and it. Have man. A, and have an emotion <laughs> you know? or an experience yeah, that exactly. Yes. There's no reason you can't have those things. Right. I think that the where I differ from you, because yep. I agree with you. There's okay. no reason I think the, the reason I'm able to go a little further in my argument mm-hmm. is because I feel like the genre had its chance to prove me wrong. Oh, okay. And like yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which isn't to say that it they it can't things can't change. Yeah. Um, but it seems like there we'd have we'd have at the ready well, one or two examples. Okay, by so now. so so that's the thing is like I think that I uh, some of the games that I played long ago yeah. that were kind of like this a, bef- a little bit before a lot of these mobile games went in this direction. Sure, um, I I played and enjoyed and then it, it ended for me. Um, I don't know that they actually had con- like the candy box example I brought up long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that ha- it felt like it hit you know you went until you got all the content and then there was no more content and then you would keep accumulating candy but like at that point it, it didn't matter yeah what's the point um and that's not an explicit ending like the game didn't tell you this is it now stop playing right um but it it you know I, I ran out of things to do and I suppose that's the argument that um Zach Tar was was proposing yeah um and I think that can still because it's because it's not clear that there's an ending um and it's not explicit the player can still keep playing and. Also, the player can still keep engaging in it in a way that is kind of different. But, like, I think there is a difference between, like, an idle game and an incremental game that, that some folks in the Discord had brought up. Right. Because I think, uh, what was it, Unfolding? Mm-hmm. The Unfolding games mm-hmm. where the game kind of expands over time? Yeah. I think is the kind of curve that I think can be interesting and, mm. and fascinating where the game just, like, opens up over time and you have to engage with it actually slower due to the fact that things in the game take time. I don't know. I think that can be fascinating because I suppose it can like take up some of your mind space, but like you still can't do anything for 15 minutes. You need to wait for the game to for the counters to go up or whatever. Yeah. But in the meantime, like, I don't know, the game can change and manipulate. You could see something happening on the screen or you can think about your next move um, for your next button press or something over the 15 minutes mm-hmm. uh, or what have you. I think that there is some potential there. I agree, though, that like like i think basically a lot of these games have just progressed into uh you know the uh skinner box monetization things that uh yeah. that are very and, problematic and to to go back to that that gdc talk i mentioned in the yes. previous episode mm-hmm. from 2015 i think the reason that that it has gone in that direction yeah is because one of the first things he said is just like you know user retention is just off the off the charts right. with with this design mm-hmm. and it, and that's what scared me a little bit but that's kind of the point is like that's the reason why these inevitably go in that direction but yeah. you're absolutely I, right theoretically there's no reason yeah. you can and and, and, and there's be, also mm-hmm. i mean i sort of speak a lot to this about games needing a point like yeah. that's a big thing of mine yeah. but if something is has dangerous uh, uh engagement metrics and steals 6 hours of your life and you yeah. had some fun and yeah. then and then does end yeah that's just that's just like that is candy. That is just, yeah. that is, it's fluff. That's fine. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not that like games have to uh, treat the experience more responsibly or they have to have an ending. Yeah. It's, they should do one or the other or, yeah. 
it's yeah it's just that i don't know i've just seen too many examples yeah. and every everything that seems to be a little bit different mm. I'm like oh but no it's still well, just the right. same and to your point a lot of what i'm talking about is theoretical i think i don't have the i guess the, the the evidence but i think there are like maybe a few games out there that are kind of like what i'm talking about yeah but frankly most like i said the large majority of these games are like that mm -hmm. and so i'm not arguing for those at all um so to your point like it's it's hard to see the evidence because it's really not really there <laughs> um so yeah yeah but i appreciate your openness to to say like it's not impossible mm-hmm Right. Yes. And I and and it might sound like I'm saying that it is. Yeah. And I don't think I am, well, but I am getting kind of close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fine though. Yeah. Right? You got to take a stand. That's, that's, yeah. that's good. But you know, I think it was mentioned in the Discord conversation. Like mm -hmm. it extends to. I mean, I brought up Civ specifically to talk yeah. about a game where we have not really talked about it as being something like this. Yeah. But it has a lot of the same markers. Absolutely. And it's and and like it was discussed, like things like MMOs or um or like uh, um uh, hero shooters or games that have seasons things that go on and on yeah. have a lot of the same things um i think that there are more satisfying experience for players and are less because they have i mean frankly the numbers are there mm -hmm. they have less player retention yeah. than idle games do yeah but they have a lot of the same things right um and i do have the same criticisms mm -hmm. um of those things yeah um i'm very critical of um mmos in particular of of like being designed around keeping players going mm. and 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 you have creative people doing cool fun stuff and it's the same with idle games like the thing i liked about egg inc it's just funny as hell it's like mm. very charming mm -hmm. it's the theme is really really well done it even ties into the sort of absurdist mechanics of it so i think there's always important to recognize that like it isn't people out there scheming like yeah. people, they're they're artists they're doing art they're making cool things yeah but it's in service of this model that i feel is, is it's hard to redeem yeah you know yeah but it's such, it's such a bigger topic ellen right like that's the reason you brought it back up is because right. it's so big and we still haven't scratched the no surface. i still think we got we actually did get to the second big question that i had yeah without actually stating the second big question which was <laughs> are the issues with idle games an issue of kind or an issue of degree yeah and uh, i don't think we landed on anything well where what, what do you stand on because i think it was just me and steven back and forth for the last couple minutes <laughs> yeah. it was um no i think i mean i i think you guys kind of both ended up in the same space Mm. Which is basically like it can theoretically can be done, but I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Um. And so now I want to go back and play some of the games that were mentioned in Discord to yeah. see if one of any of those land where you, you think there is like you know you think that that's there be dragons on the map of viral right. games. <laughs> I to me I think it's an issue of degree, not an issue of kind. Right. Mm. Like if we come back to the ethics of it, like there are many 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 things where if you do it too much, it's not satisfying or actually yeah. bad for you. Yeah. Right. Doritos. <laughs> i will eat a whole bag of doritos uh -huh. i should not eat a whole bag of doritos yeah. i will feel bad i will feel very cheesy and i will love that but i will also feel <laughs> really disgusting if uh, i eat a whole bag of doritos right, right, right. um you know it's like in reading too many books staying up till 4 a.m like i will feel tired i will feel really good that i got through a lot of the book and then i'll have to struggle to remember exactly what happened and then i'll go back and reread parts of it because i don't remember yeah and i'll feel tired but i will have felt like really like good about it mm -hmm. about reading the book and i'll have this new plot line bouncing around in my head for a couple of days and like you mentioned like the mm the mmorpgs like mmos and, and so on and so forth using social connection right to keep people engaged yeah. these to me are these are products that are using your intrinsic human drives 
to capture your attention and hold it. Yeah. For what reason? Well, from an artist's perspective, it's to help you experience a thing. Mm -hmm. But these things don't exist outside yeah. of our capitalist society, right? Yeah. So the other reason is also to get your, your money. Right. And so I think the ethical thing to do is the same for any product that you're creating, which is to make sure that you're aware of that and aware that those things can be are, are coexisting and they are in tension mm -hmm. um, with each other and to make deliberate design decisions to keep them in balance, I guess, yeah. to the benefit of your player. That's the right thing to do. Now, sometimes like it's going to be really hard to do that because you got like VP of the VPs going like the money, Jeeves. But <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm yeah, not sure yeah. how to. That, that's a different podcast. Yeah, I, 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 right away in this topic, I was like, we should just take money out of this because like, right. But it's you can't actually divorce. Yeah. All of the all of the things that are involved in why right. these games are designed the way they are. Mm -hmm. I also think that we shouldn't be so quick to say the money people are the villains in yeah. this story. Yeah. Because I think everyone's the money people yes. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um and and also I, I think that the like the thing that I've learned from researching the topic is just how easy it is. It's easy money. It's easy money. Mm, right. And it's not that people are like like putting their fingers together and going, ooh, easy money. Yeah. It's that, <laughs> like, it's hard to make games. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily, as, as much, if I'm more quick to describe the design as evil yeah. than the, like, VP of marketing or the VP of development as evil. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. It, it, because, like, one, that's just, they're doing their job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, sure. like, and the, to, to feed their employees. You know mm. what I mean? Like, and so I think it is really easy for us as artists to 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 separate money yes and then also separate the money people and the money motives yeah and that way we get to call all the evil we get to blame all the evil things on the execs or whatever yeah, yeah. Right. um and i think that's as dangerous yeah um, oh because yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things well that's what i was gonna say yeah, yeah. is i feel like i was doing I, I i think by me saying that i think i did a bit of a disservice to the topic oh, at hand because oh, okay. i think that it's you can't really actually divorce yeah. those two things it's important that we did though yes. I, I i think for the purposes of the discussion that yeah. ellen was trying to dig us deeper into yeah i think it was the right way to handle it mm -hmm. but also to dovetail it back in to remind that you can't actually excise it fully yeah for sure yeah so what i'm hearing is the next time we visit this topic, we uh -huh. need a professional ethicist and a professional economist to we, help us really bring this to a close. We've been for a long time, I guess. Huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if you have any suggestions for those people yeah. you can have on a panel, uh -huh. I, come I to Discord. I would love to have a panel to do that. Mm -hmm. But I will stand up and say that there are some things you don't need expertise to recognize. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. On, in both economics and in ethics. Yes. And so I don't, I, I, I don't, think, it's, I don't think it's fully responsible of us to say that it's a que it's a question ultimately left to others. Yeah. No, for sure. But it is um, it is important for us to. And I think what you're trying to imply is that we are not the ones to answer the question fully. I for everybody know, else. Drink yes. drink deep. Little <laughs> yeah. knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? Mm. We are just like trying. We're just trying to figure our way around this topic mm -hmm. as designers because we want to do it ethically, right? Yeah. I guess to you know to kind of bring it to a close, I'm thinking of these mechanics and these dynamics that are present in idle games, kind of like. It's just another tool, right? But right, it's like yeah. you have, let's say you have 27 houseplants. And <laughs> let's, just, let's just imagine someone. Let's just imagine someone with 27 houseplants. Uh -huh. and, a, a, you know, a, a hypothetical co-host of ours. <laughs> right. Maybe, they're, maybe they co-host a podcast. Maybe <laughs> they co-host a podcast. Um, so 
they have all these tools that they use to keep yes. their various plants healthy, right? Uh-huh. They have like some, you know, special water that the one plant really likes. And they have some fertilizer and some like little supplements and things that they add to the plants. And sometimes the plants get bugs on them. Mm. So what do you do when you get bugs? Okay, there are some things you can do that don't involve pesticides, and there are some things that do involve pesticides. Mm. And potentially in your, you know, with your particular challenge that you are facing, whether it's, you know, actual bugs or real bugs, or you're trying to, you know, create games and make a living from it, like, you can use tools that when used improperly are harmful. Like right. if you use pesticides in an improper way, it says it right there on the bag, like you can harm the environment, you can harm the people in your house, you can harm your pets, you can harm the bees that help provide you with food. Like this is a tool set. Think about how you're supposed to, how you're going to use it responsibly. And I think yeah. that makes sense because like, as we said, when we were shutting this topic off, like there is a person on the other end of the keyboard right. or the phone or whatever and they are giving you their attention and their trust. Yeah. And so you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to help them engage with it in a way that's that's fun and healthy and sustainable. Right. Um, and to just, examine what what did they consent to? Right. Exactly. Yes. And let that get and continually revisit that. Yep. Right. Just right. like, you know, OK, I read the thing on the back of the package once and I'm, I'm good to go for insecticides. Mm-hmm. No, like I will, con- you know. Every time I apply it, I'm going to take steps to make sure that I'm applying it appropriately because I don't want to do harm. Yes. Yeah. I do have 27. It's me. You guys, it's me. Ooh, mystery solved. <laughs> Y'all thought it was me, didn't you? Ha ha. No, it was Ellen. Eventually. I'll get you, Steven. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. She is coming for me. <laughs> That's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and the Wendy's Direct. These are games from the Caribbean. It's really cool. We like hearing from you, so tweet back or email us, contact at NiceGames.Club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff. Sign up at patreon.com slash NiceGamesClub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by NiceGames.Club slash Discord and say hello. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Hold tight for editing. I'm gonna. There. Okay. Okay. Is it better? Yeah, it was doing like a white noise kind Mm. of thing. Okay. Yeah. Without the white noise, I can't like tell if it's on anymore. (laughs) I might be able to trigger it back. There. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yep. Now it's gone. Oh, that's spooky. Sucks for whoever's editing this. The microphone is haunted. (laughs) Oh my god. All right, we're moving on. Okay. Um, Nice, nice to have something for the end of the show so early in the show. Yeah. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.